What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I am your host, Mitch Album. We're glad to have you joining us. This podcast is inspired by the book Tuesdays with Maury, a book I wrote back in 1997, nearly 25 years ago. And its lessons still inspire me today, still inspire people around the world based on the readership. And we started this podcast to explore some of those lessons taught by an old professor who was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease to his student, me, about what's important in life once you really know you're going to die and how to keep that perspective when you're younger and healthier is the aim of this podcast. And so we're going to address one of those types of issues today as we do every week. Lisa Goitsch is alongside my friend, producer of this program. Lisa, nice to see you again, as always. Always nice seeing you, Mitch. This has been a difficult week. Uh, there's been a lot of negative, negative news. Uh, the situation with Afghanistan has, mm. it was difficult to watch. It's difficult mm. to, uh, witness. It's difficult to think about. It makes you feel like America has lost something, even though that's far that's... too simple for the political situation, but it feels like a loss. Mm -hmm. And certainly the people who have fought over in Afghanistan, lost their lives, families that were changed forever, only to see the scenes that we saw these past days, airplanes running over people as they try to get out and people trying to oh, hang on to horrifying. them. And anyone who lived through 1975 and the fall of Saigon, and I remember that well, was haunted by those kinds of images and said, well, yeah. I didn't think we'd see this again. And yep. uh you know, without getting into any of the politics of it or who's right or wrong about what moves were made, it's just sad. It's it's depressing to look yeah. at. And on top of that, at least for me, and I, I hope for people out there, uh, Haiti suffered yet another earthquake. And the words Haiti and earthquake for me are very emotional. They, they're what brought me to Haiti 12 years ago, nearly. Uh, and a 7.0 earthquake that devastated the biggest city in the country there and left nearly 300,000 people dead and nearly a million people homeless. They are still rebuilding from that Man. earthquake there. And then on Saturday morning, they had another one, 7.2 on the Richter scale, a larger, more powerful earthquake than the first one. Fortunately, if you can ever use the word fortunately with an earthquake, it was on the southwestern coast as opposed to close to the major city of Port-au-Prince. And so the area that it did the most damage to had far fewer people living in it. But it still had mm -hmm. several cities, small cities of Okai and Jeremy, places that I have been to multiple times, places that we have taken children into our orphanage from. And now we're finding out that those children's families – you know, the uncles, the aunts, the grandparents have lost yeah. all their homes. Some of them have been killed and they have no place to go. They're sleeping at night out in an open soccer field. 
as a tropical storm descends on them with 15 inches of rain predicted and no place to go. And you think that, you think that in a situation like that, what would you do? And this is, this brings us to our lesson today. And hopefully none of us find ourselves in a situation like this, Lisa, ever. But imagine, I was just talking to one of our college kids just before we started this program, one of our college kids who's up from Haiti, who's from Okai, and whose mother still lives there along with uh, several brothers and family. And he found out that his mother's house was decimated, totally destroyed. Uh. And I've seen the images of it, and it's, it's not like, oh, the house is ruined, a tree fell down and you know, kind of came in through the roof. This is like collapsed. It's just chunks. It, it's, wow. it's as if uh, you know somebody broke apart a statue into a million pieces. And wow. thank God she was not inside. But she ha- now has no home. His brother, who was living there as well, was at a funeral in a church. The church collapsed. 30 people were killed inside the church, uh. including his aunt and his little four-year-old cousin, a four-year-old boy. Oh, my God. And his brother was wounded on his head and his leg. Now, the brother and the mother are outside. Now, this happened on Saturday. As of Saturday, 8.30 in the morning, you know, at 8 o'clock, you had a home. At 8.30, you have no home. Wow. At 8.30, you don't have a refrigerator or wherever you kept your food. You don't have a bed. You can't get at your clothes. You can't get inside. You are literally locked out of your life. Mm. So I said to Sim, the young man who's here with us, who had just left Haiti that day, what happens? You know, where is your mother? And he said, well, she's outside in the street. And... He's tried to call, you know, he's called and gotten a hold of his brother, but his mother is too traumatized to speak. She can't talk on the phone. And wow. you can just imagine, she's just probably staring straight ahead. All of us would probably do the same thing, right? And what happens? I mean, there's, of course, in Haiti, there's no insurance. Yeah. <laughs> there's no Allstate coming to fix up your house. Yeah, what there's do you no do? There's no health insurance that's going to take care of you if you got hurt or injured. There's nobody's going to race in. FEMA isn't going to take care of you, an emergency organization. Even just getting basic water in to drink for the day is a challenge. And you don't have it. You don't have the water. You don't have food. You don't have your clothes. You don't have your home. You're out in the street. You're homeless. Many of the people there have been living in a soccer pitch, uh, you know, an, an outdoor soccer pitch, but it's a big open lawn, and they've been just camped out on the lawn with whatever they have on the clothes on their back or in the sun there. like there's the no sun. they don't yeah. have tents or th- no there's tents. no there's no. no fema anything right there's right. nothing no there that will be some relief Caribbean organizations sun. will be coming uh. in i'm sure from the outside but haiti itself doesn't have very much in that way and so a lot of people are just going to be sitting outside in the hot sun or unprotected in the rain jesus so what do you do what do you do in a moment like that now we're not finding ourselves in those moments, hopefully, most of us who are listening to this broadcast, not that dire. But it can feel like 
you have been locked out of your life, depending on what trauma befalls you. You get divorced, and suddenly everything you knew is gone. Um, you lose your job, and suddenly the routines that you had are gone. The work colleagues that you depended on for friendships are gone. You can't pick up and call. You're not welcome in a certain place. Right? You move or forced to move or evicted yeah. from your home. And you're in some other new place. Hopefully, you're not in the street like the people in Haiti. But you yeah. are now someplace totally new. You don't know anybody. You can't afford maybe certain furnishings and things like that you got used to. These are all moments where you feel like, wait a minute, my old life was here. And now this new life is upon me. What am I supposed to do then? Maury found himself in this position. When he went and saw a doctor, a neurologist, on a very nice warm day in Boston. And he went into the neurologist's office with some concerns about like he was tripping and he was having some issues and things like that. But I mean, he didn't know what it was and he didn't you know, assume that there would be something that somebody could fix or give him a shot or something like that. And in the neurologist's office, he was told that he had ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And he remembered Lou Gehrig from his youth because he had been an, a Brooklyn kid and, you know, the, the, the baseball team. And Gehrig played for the Yankees. And he remembered the famous speech, today I consider myself the luckiest, luckiest man on the face, face, face of the earth, earth, earth. And he said to the doctor, well, Lou Gehrig's disease, that was, that was fatal. The doctor said, yeah. And he said, well, it used to be fatal, you know, back when Lou Gehrig was playing, right? But it's, they have a cure for it now, right? Mm -hmm. This was 1993, four. No, there's no cure, the doctor said. And with those words, Maury said, well, how much time do I have left? And the doctor said, it's hard to say, maybe a couple of years. So Maury walked outside of that office when that meeting was done with his wife, Charlotte. And he looked around at the landscape. And he saw the blue skies and the people mm. riding bicycles and going about their business, shopping, you know, enjoying the day. And a voice inside of him said, hey, 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 hey. What's going on? Isn't everybody mm. supposed to stop what they're doing? Come running up to me and say, we heard what happened. Mm -hmm. No more blue skies, no more bicycles, no more shopping, because you got a death sentence. We're going to all stop our lives now, and we're going to commiserate with you. And he waited for that to happen, but it didn't happen. Because the world cannot cater to one individual. And if anyone has ever had a tragedy of the type that we're talking about or you know just setback of the type that we're talking about where you get disoriented alienated from your existence like maury was wait a minute i was i was a 78 year old or a 77 year old man with you know some walking issues and now you're telling me i only have a matter of months left to live and i'm a, i've got a terminal illness that's going to rob me of all my ability to do everything 
And Maury had to make a choice on the steps of that building. Hey, all you true crime fans, this is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morphe. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. Here was the dilemma that he faced. In his own words. So, there I was. And the second thought is, what am I going to do? Am I going to withdraw into depression, anger, bitterness, resentment, rage at the world? And say, you did this to me? To hell with you. I won't have anything to do with you. Or, I say, I've got here too. Who knows how long to live? I'm going to make use of it. I'm going to do something with the rest of my life, and I'm going to remain composed. And I have that defined in my aphorisms. I'm going to be dignified. I'm going to be high-spirited. I'm going to be humorous. I'm going to be brave. I'll be related to people. I'm going to be loving. Did you do all that in the first night that you found this out? I mean, was I'm not going to do it. I'm promising myself. But did you I, decide to do all that then? Was there a... Well, I don't know if at that moment. But within a short time, I had to make a decision. Because if I didn't, I could have sunk into depression. Because that's not difficult to do. So... Maury was describing being diagnosed with the terminal illness. But really what he said there could apply to any of the situations that we've just mentioned here. You're fired from your job. You don't have an income anymore. You've lost your social strata. You've lost your position in life. The world that you used to know is gone. The divorce is final. You had to move out. Your kids are with somebody else. All the cues that you used to have, all the hopes for a, a happy life and a family life are gone. You're locked out of the world that you thought you knew. You're evicted from your home. Your car is taken away. You're in a financial mess. You don't know how you're going to get out of it. What you used to do when you came home at night, you now can't do anymore. Maybe you don't have a home. Maybe you have to consider a shelter or calling a relative, asking if you can sleep on the couch for weeks on end. Your old life is locked away from you. So what do you do? You're in Haiti, and an earthquake just decimated your home. Yep. And everything that you had and everything you could do is gone. Just like that. So I would love to say that the answer at that moment is a big, huge philosophical transformation that you're going to have. But that's not true. It doesn't work like that. Nobody, at least nobody I know, can take the blow of 
a total life change and then say, okay, well, wow, that hurt. Like getting hit with a club on your head, that hurt, but let me rub a little dirt on it and I'm fine. Here's here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to ignore it. No. No. You're not going to be able to come up in an hour or a day with a philosophy big enough to battle back against that big a blow. But what you can do, and this is the essence of this small lesson today, is one thing. Do one thing. Focus on getting one thing done. One thing. We think because we get hit with this major, major, major event that we therefore have to do everything. Everything has changed, so therefore we have to do everything. We have to take care of everything. This has changed, so I got to do this. This has changed, I got to do this. This I got to do. It won't work. Nobody. It's it's like trying to juggle a thousand plates. So what I have found is the best thing to do, and what Maury talked about too, was just find one thing, set your mind on that one thing, and try to accomplish that one thing. It may be as simple as, okay, I'm going to need. Paper plates. I'm going to go buy paper plates and plastic silverware so that I got the basis for a meal. Maybe Mm. as simple as that. I know that sounds trite, but it's putting one foot in front of the other, starting to say, okay, I'm going to just do this. You accomplish that, you begin to have a sense of building. You have a sense mm-hmm. of building, as small as that act is. I'm going to, this is something I find I do all the time when I, you know, something depressing hits me or I'm really getting down. I think of one person in my life who I know is having a tough time, maybe battling an illness or they themselves went through something bad. And I call them and try to cheer them up. And of course, invariably, they're happy to hear from you and, and how are you doing? I've been thinking about you. Oh, thank you, you know, for thinking of me. Yeah, I've had this. And you start to hear how tough it's been for them. And it starts to put your own issues in a little bit of perspective. It doesn't wipe them out. Yeah, no. But it reminds you that people are dealing with things all the time. And if you can help, and the phone call ends with them saying, thanks for calling me. I feel better that you called. You know, really appreciate your call and take care of me. And you didn't even breathe a word about your troubles necessarily, then you will have done one thing in that battle to sort of combat everything. And that one thing will give you like the first little step up as you begin to climb back, that first little brick as you begin to build back. And brick by brick, one thing by one thing, you can start to battle back and reclaim your life. Brick by brick. There's an old story I heard when I was much younger about a uh, a woman who was very unhappy in her small little tidy home. Everything was drab and terrible and gray and uh, she was just depressed. And someone, a friend of hers, wisely brought her a single flower, a pretty but single flower. 
mm-hmm. and put it on the kitchen table. And the woman, in her mind, thought, well, this is kind of chintzy. <laughs> Friend brings me a little, one little flower. It's not going to really solve my problems, but uh, one little flower. And so the one little flower sat on the middle of the table, and the woman kept coming in and out of the room and saying, God, that flower is so pretty, and the table is so drab. I should, I should you know, put like a tablecloth on there that's got some color to it or something so the flower doesn't stand out so much. And so she found one or made one. I forget how the story goes, but then she put out a nice little tablecloth. And now the flower was sitting on a nice little tablecloth. And the table looked half decent with a little flower in the middle of it. And then she started to say, ah, the rest of the kitchen, though, looks so bad by comparison to the yeah. table. Table looks nice. I got to paint those chairs. Mm. So she painted the chairs. Now the chairs and the table and the flower all look nice. But she said, well, now the cabinets are so drab by comparison. I got yeah. to you know, sand, sand them down and put on a new thing. So she sanded down the cabinet. And you know how this goes. Eventually, this sounds like my life, but go yeah, ahead. Eventually the kitchen. <laughs> this is what I do every day. The, the kitchen, you know, finally looked nice, but as soon as she walked out of the kitchen, then the living room, you know, looked yeah. so bad that she started in on the living room. And eventually, oh, yeah. the end of the story, she fixed up the whole house. And what what was at root of that? One thing. Yeah, that the one catalyst. flower that mm-hmm. was the catalyst to do one thing. Yeah. She just wanted to make the table look as nice as the flower. So put it together, did it, did the one thing. And in many ways, that's sort of what I'm suggesting. At this moment when we feel so down or there's so many things to be bad about, and we haven't even mentioned COVID, this is probably as long as we've gone in a, in a podcast in the last year and haven't mentioned the word COVID. Yeah, without mentioning it. Right, but COVID is rearing its head again and everyone's looking at, you know, September's oh. coming around the corner in school and everybody's going to be back into masking up and social distancing and it's like we got a reprieve for a few weeks there they let us out to the yard and now that we have to go back into prison <laughs> now you know we had our <laughs> moment in the yard and now we have to go back into prison and that's depressing and and how do you get out of that feeling well don't try to combat it you know covid is a massive thing and afghanistan a massive thing haiti a massive thing mm. you're not going to be able to beat these opponents first time out of the block with just your bare fists or or you're not going to be able to think of that brilliant, brilliant, big thought. You're going to be searching. But if you find, okay, I'm not going to, I'm going to do the slingshot, the David and the Goliath slingshot approach. I don't have an AK-47. I don't have a tank. I don't have what I got one simple thing, one simple thing. I've got a slingshot. And if I throw the slingshot at that guy's forehead, I might bring him down. And that's what happened. And we have to be that same way. We have to be sort of David and slingshots. We have to be that woman with the flower on the kitchen table that makes the one next move. We just have to do the one thing that will lift us up, not all the way out, but will just convince us that up is still a direction. Up is still a direction. Because what happens when we get down like this, is that down seems like the only direction. And there's only degrees of down. Faster, a little bit slower, but invariably down. Yeah. 
can't fight this aging thing. You know, next year I'll be older than I am this year. And it's just down. It's down. It's down. I, you know, I'm not feeling well. I get sicker. I get weaker. I'm going to be down. It's going to be worse. It's down. It's down. It's down. We, there's so many things, you know, the economy's going bad. It's only going to get worse. Down, down, down. We start to just think that there is only one direction. The beginning of rising is not reaching the top. The beginning of rising is stopping falling. And once we can kind of stop falling and then take that tiny step, that first step, one thing, find one thing, make that call to someone, go deliver something to somebody's house, go cross off that one chore that you said, you know, I've got to do this. I've been putting it off for six months. It's funny. I was, uh, I've been riding my bicycle mm-hmm. for the last few months while it's been warm. And this, there's a track near our home at a high school. And I'm riding my bicycle day in and day out around the neighborhood, but I have no idea how far I'm going. And I'm one of those people, like, I like to know, like, did I, did I go five miles? Did I go seven miles? I wanted to go. Right. And I keep th- thinking to myself, I should ride over to that track, and then I could just ride around the track, and you could really measure it. You know, you could see how fast you're going. But it's on the other side of like a major highway and a major road, telegraph road, you know, and six lanes and everything. And, eh, you know, I don't want to ride alongside all the traffic and everything. So every day it occurs to me to do that. And every day I don't. And on Saturday was a beautiful day. We just got blessed with this fantastic weather day and everything like that. And this was before I found out about the earthquake or anything. And I go out on my bicycle and I, I do the same mental exercise I should go to that track thing. No, it's on the other side. I'll just keep riding around here and guessing how far I'm going. And finally, I don't know why, but a voice said to me, it's Saturday. The roads won't be so busy. You don't have any place that you have to be like, you know, when you're doing this during the week. If you don't do it now, this is a perfect day to do it. You don't do it now. You're just just kidding yourself. Every time Mm -hmm. you have this discussion, you're just kidding yourself. You're never going to do it. One thing. So I said, all right, I'm going to do it. And I went, I crossed over to Major Road, rode the mile and a half, and I went onto the track. There was nobody there. And I spent the whole rest of my, you know, hour just circling the track, keeping track. And things went by really quickly because it was like I was counting and I said, oh, that's, that's two laps, that's five laps, that's 12 laps. Over. And when I drove home, when I rode home, I had this great feeling of just like, accomplishment i realized i didn't really do anything great riding around a track is hardly an accomplishment but i did something that i had been putting off for months and months for mm-hmm. silly reasons and i i did it you know i just mm-hmm. went and did it and it was one thing and that one thing made my day the whole day better because i just sort of felt like yeah i did something today that i've been meaning to do for a long time and i finally did it and now i know what it is and it's in my head and it's such a simple thing. And if a simple thing like that can help lift your spirits, then imagine, you know, what, what larger things when you help other people, how that can do the same. So that's the lesson for today. As Maury said, you know, you, we all have a choice. You can either, you know, say this is terrible, this is awful, this is so bad, and just keep sinking, sinking, sinking. Or we can find a way to stop sinking, which is the beginning of rising up, and then take that first small step. One Thing. Just do one thing. I'm going to do that. 
It's good for us to remember. It's good to remember. Yeah, I didn't I mean, mean like right this second, this, Lisa, but yeah. I know, but I can't imagine those people. Like I look at Afghanistan yeah. um, for another conversation on another day, uh, you know, and you just think it's so big, you yeah. know, I, I can't, I think of the girls there right. and uh, it's, I don't know. I want to help everybody like mm. you do with your orphanage. And I imagine that when you were away from Haiti, when this earthquake happened, it was probably worse for you than being there because I would think that if you were there, you would feel like you could, you could help. do something, right. And I think that when you feel like, when you know that you're away, I bet you all day that day you wished you were there to be able to 100%. calm the kids or help the kids or whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah. So 100%. you just have to put things into perspective and, and find your one thing, no matter what the degree of uh, loss is That's in your it. life. That's right. You're right. Well, we hope this was helpful, folks, and we appreciate your joining us. If you like what you heard, wetuesdaypeople.com is our website. You can find older shows there. You can find discussion groups, a lot of information about the podcast, wetuesdaypeople.com. Once a week on our visits on the second day of the work week. Lisa Goitz has produced this program. We thank her for that. And until we talk again, remember one thing. And here's my last one thing. I'm Mitch Album. See you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People. <laughs>